What a joy it is to worship with you on this Palm Sunday. It's a really unique experience as we're watching online uh, due to the uh, coronavirus outbreak. And uh, it's a unique situation, but I think there's a couple of things that I really want to highlight from our time together this morning. Uh, as we're watching, I'm reminded uh, we're gathering in homes, uh, we're separate from one another, but I'm, I'm reminded about God's nature. There's something very unique about him. And uh, scriptures teach us that one of the uh, characteristics of his nature is that he is both transcendent, meaning he's outside of our limits. So he, he's not limited or held back by maybe the same things that we are. But apart from being transcendent, he's also imminent. And imminent just means that he is very present with us, uh, that he is uh, available to us and, and very present at every moment with us. And those things seem to contrast. I think sometimes we in our human nature have a difficult understanding of being able to tie those things together. But that is his character. He is both transcendent, and so he is not overwhelmed by the circumstances that we get overwhelmed by, but he's also imminent and he's very present with us. And during times like this, during crises, during things that overwhelm us and overwhelm our mind and our emotion, uh, they overwhelm actually just our whole societal systems, uh, it can be difficult for us. People tend to gravitate to an idea that that God is one who is, he just must be distant. He must be absent from this time. Or maybe they take the approach that maybe God's just powerless during this time. Maybe there's nothing that he can do about it. And I wanna just encourage you that neither of those are true about God. He is present. He's very present with every individual. He is not limited uh, in, in the, the ways that we tend to be limited. He's imminently present with us. He's also transcendent, that he's not overwhelmed by the circumstances that we face. In fact, Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And so the only way that God can be an ever-present help in trouble is if that he is not moved or overwhelmed by the things that overwhelm us, and yet that he's very present with us to know what troubles us or what we face. So I want you to hear that because whenever there's pain or suffering, again, pe people tend to gravitate towards opposite ends. God's either not present with us or he's powerless to do anything about it. But that's not really the case. In fact, when we look at the New Testament and the life of Jesus, he is God with us. And it also says that he was afflicted or struggled with the very things that we struggle with, yet he lived without sin. As we think about this Palm Sunday, there's such a good connection point for us because it's in the midst of, midst of this special day. It's, it's in this moment where we think about Jesus coming into Jerusalem on this small donkey, this child donkey, uh, and, and how he comes into the city. And there was so much expectation built around this moment. There are two different storylines that are going on as Jesus rides into Jerusalem. There's, there's the hosannas, the cries, glory to God, uh, blessed is he who comes. And, and they're just worshiping and they're excited about his coming. That's, that's one storyline. But there's another storyline that's taking place. It's the storyline, it's, it's the actual storyline of what's happening with Jesus. 
So I just invite you, uh, pray with me, and we're going to take a look at Luke chapter 19 and the story of Jesus's ride into Jerusalem and what happened on that very special day. Lord, we thank you for this Palm Sunday. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate who you are. And Lord, we are challenged not to be drawn into false narratives. We're, we're challenged not to be drawn into, uh, Lord, storylines that aren't actually true about you. Lord, there's the storyline that you are absent or not present with us, and there's another one that you're, you're very distant from us or you're incapable of, of handling anything that's going on in the world around us. And yet, we know a different story if we look at Scripture, if we look at the history of your interactions with people throughout all of time, God, that tells a different story, that you're both very present and very capable. And so, Father, on this Palm Sunday, as we do celebrate and we join with those around the world shouting, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, uh, Lord, praise to the Holy One, God, that as we join in the chorus of those who are giving you glory, I just pray that your presence would lead us in the scriptures, you would guide us in truth, and Holy Spirit, we welcome you into the place where we're at right now to speak to us, to encourage us, and illuminate your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I mentioned the passage is from Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 40, and it reads like this. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he set two of the, sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where in, where in entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is one of my favorite stories in all of the New Testament. It's just an incredible picture. One, just because you can picture Jesus riding on this small little donkey, is holding up his feet just so they don't drag on the ground. People cheering, very, very simple people. They don't have great wealth. They're throwing their their cloaks, their, their garments down on the ground to make a pathway for them. They're throwing branches down. It's one of these things that it doesn't rival the big parades. It doesn't rival huge bands and all the things that we think of, all the pomp and circumstance when a celebrity or a great politician comes into town. It's, it's a great celebration, but it's also very simple. And here it is, Jesus, he's coming into town and, and they're crying out. And, and those religious leaders who were so offended by him, told them to put these people, make them be silent. Don't allow them to, to praise God on your behalf. And Jesus' response was really clear. He says, listen, I could tell them be quiet, but if they were quiet, 
just rocks themselves would cry out in glory for God because of my arrival. Of course, that didn't help the situation, but it's a, it's a great picture of a, a very celebratory entrance for Jesus into Jerusalem. It's really an amazing moment and maybe the pinnacle of Jesus's ministry as it was viewed through the lens of the disciples. If you put yourself in their feet, they've been traveling with Jesus for a couple years now. They've been going throughout the countryside. They've seen him work miracles, multiply bread for feeding of thousands. They've seen him bring sight to blind people. They've seen him challenge religious leaders. Uh, they've heard his teachings that are so overwhelmingly different than what they have heard before that they're just confounded. I mean, they're, they're just in awe of who Jesus is. And now, now this moment, he's coming into Jerusalem, the capital city for the Jews, the, the place of worship where every person was coming for the Passover feast. You can feel this, this moment, just this ascension that's, that's happening in this moment. If it's music, you would call this the crescendo. This is this great apex to the song, this moment where everything is building and, and just this tension is riding. If it's a movie, you're thinking of the climax of the story. It's the moment where everything is gonna pivot. The tension has built to just this one moment and you can just feel it in the air. If you're thinking about astronomy, it's the zenith point. It is, again, it's just this huge ascension point and the disciples you know are feeling it. And that's why the cloaks are being thrown down. The, the branches are being thrown on the ground. They're singing out as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. It's the Passover, crowds are gathering. And what I love is that Jesus is embracing all of this. He's not turning it away and saying, oh, don't, don't do this. This is too much. This is over the top. He's just embracing the fact that for them, this is the moment that they've been waiting for. Their king is coming into, their Messiah, the one whom they've been following for these past couple of years. He's coming into Jerusalem and it's palpable. A change is going to come about. I think about the disciples and the ending that they have in mind to all of this. I think about where they're going with, what does this look like next? As they're worshiping, as they're welcoming him into Jerusalem, they're not fixated just on that moment. The reason they're celebrating is what's next. What is the ending to this storyline that's, that's unfolding right before us? And I think that's one of the things that we're challenged with with Palm Sunday is the disciples had an ending in mind. But this morning's message, if I was to title it, I would say the end is not the end. The end that the disciples had in mind is not the end because Jesus had his own storyline. Jesus had his own direction that he was taking with his life. In fact, it wasn't just his direction. It was, he said, I only do the things that the Father tells me to do. The direction that the story was going to go was the way that the Father was leading Jesus to take it. And yet the disciples, they had their own storyline that they were thinking about. They're looking at it through this lens of pent-up frustrations with Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees. This was the moment where their teacher, their rabbi, was going to put them in their place. This was the moment where the Romans, after years of oppression and, and just beating down on the Jews, this is where the Romans were going to be 
put underfoot of the Jews, where their king was going to raise up over Caesar, and he was going to retake Jerusalem, retake the kingdom of God in all of Israel, take back that territory. It was the best thing that they could imagine, that Jesus was going to rise up and be this ruler that would overtake the religious leaders, he would overtake Rome, and he would bring the kingdom of God very present into Jerusalem in the very near future. But that end was not the end. That was not the direction that Jesus had in mind. It's a great story. <laughs> it would be a great feel. It would play it out in your mind if you want. Imagine what that would look like if Jesus had come in, put down uh, the religiously, put down the Roman leaders and established a kingdom. It's a neat story, but it doesn't match what Jesus had in mind. It doesn't actually go the direction that he had because while the little guy gets his victory, while David beats up on Goliath and overcomes, that's a great story and we all like that, but it's the only one they could put together with their limited knowledge. What they didn't understand and what, even after two years of walking with Jesus and listening to his teachings, the things they couldn't grasp is that he wasn't looking to build a kingdom on the principalities and powers of this world. He was looking to bring the kingdom of God to every individual who would welcome him into his heart. It was a completely different ending than what the disciples were seeing. Have you ever put together a great ending for God? <laughs> Have you ever seen a storyline setting up that you could just see how God gets the credit? I think anyone who loves God or wants to serve God has played this out in their own mind. The storyline of their life is playing out and they can begin to fill in the blanks of what's happening next. How is this going to end? God, I can see a picture where Jesus gets all the credit for what's going to happen next. All you are inviting God to do, you're just saying, God, all, all I'm asking you to do is come in and just fill your part. Just do the thing that I need you to do and this story is gonna have such a good ending. This story will honor you, it will cause you to get applause and get accolades. Have you ever put together a storyline and just ask God to walk out that ending the way that you have it designed for him? It's interesting how God doesn't seem to like our endings. It's not that he doesn't like them, I guess. It's just that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, and that's what the scriptures teach us. We have limited understanding. We aren't transcendent. We aren't omniscient. We only see things going a certain way. There's maybe one or two outcomes in the stories that we put together. But it's amazing how God transcendent, God who is imminent and present with us, has so many different potential endings for the storylines that we live out. I've seen it from different folks. You thought God would swoop in and give you the winning lotto ticket, the winning job maybe, the best job, and yet he didn't. He found a different way to provide for you. You thought that prayer for healing was going to bring God's healing instantly, but it didn't. And God found another way to bring healing to that person you were praying for. The relationship with your family member and how God surprised you when you kept waiting for them to come to you to ask for forgiveness. And then out of the blue, God spoke to you and said, you need to ask them for forgiveness. 
That's a different ending than maybe you had in mind. Or how about now? How about now when some of us already have an ending to this whole coronavirus thing? God, this is the way you can swoop in and save the day. People won't be able to deny you. They'll, they'll see that you exist because you come in and you bring the cure. God, you heal people. You stop this or put an end to all of this. God, we have an end already in mind the way that you get the glory. I've been there. I think we all have at different times. The story of our life, the story that's unfolding in the world around us, and then we say, here's the best ending for this. God, all you have to do is step into my story and play the role that I have lined out for you, and boy, it'll turn out so good. Maybe you've realized, like I have, it's amazing how God has different endings to stories than we do. He has so many different ways for things to unfold that sometimes even oftentimes even escape our understanding. Let's go back to Palm Sunday. It's a different ending. Here the disciples are building it up. This is what Jesus is going to do. He's going to enter Jerusalem. He's going to put down those who have been oppressing us. He's going to be the rabbi and the healer. He's going to be the Messiah and establish his kingdom here on earth. But here's what the scripture says just after the one I read previously. This is Jesus in the moment as he's coming into Jerusalem, Luke 19, verses 41 to 44. It says, And when he drew near and he saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even now, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. It's a powerful message that Jesus is speaking about. Jesus is weeping as he's coming into Jerusalem amidst all of the celebration. And again, he doesn't put down the celebrations. He invites them to go ahead and celebrate. But in the midst of that, he sees a different storyline. He recognizing, oh, Jerusalem, oh, people of Israel, if you had only seen the potential of my kingdom really coming to earth, if you had only seen how the Father wanted to bring not an earthly kingdom to you, but how he wanted to bring the kingdom of God from heaven and bring it down to earth. But he said it was hidden from you. You couldn't see it. You only had one ending in mind, but your Father has another one. Can you picture that? I know we can picture the disciples' ending to Jesus coming into Jerusalem. That's kind of easy for us, seeing how a ruler could come in and take over but can you picture for a moment if the kingdom of God had been fully received, if they had recognized Jesus as the Messiah, and if their hearts had been so turned that they, from that very moment, started to draw near to God and bring the kingdom of God at that very point. It started to come later with the disciples after his resurrection. It started to happen after the Holy Spirit comes in Pentecost. We'll get there in a few weeks. But Jesus is weeping because as he looks over Jerusalem and all of their celebrations, he says, oh, if you had known who had come to you and the kingdom that I was bringing, 
Oh, the life that you could experience instead, Jerusalem, you will experience devastation upon devastation and your children will experience hardship after hardship because you keep waiting for this kingdom that will not exist. That kingdom that they long for, he's saying, is never going to come to them in the way that they anticipate that it will come. Instead, Jesus is bringing this different kingdom and it will be revealed to them. But in this moment, Jesus says, the end, your end is not the end. His plan, his, his ending that he has in mind is what's coming about. This trip to Jerusalem would be unlike any other. Instead of a temporary kingdom, Jesus would end up going to the cross. He would end up dying on that cross. And he would bring the kingdom of heaven to earth instead of establishing an earthly kingdom that mirrors heaven. He brings the kingdom of heaven to earth in a completely different way. So with this in mind and thinking about the different endings, let me pose to you a couple questions and ask you and invite you to reflect about maybe what God is doing in your heart as you're watching this. In fact, I just invite you to take a moment to pause and allow the Holy Spirit that space to be able to speak to you. He's so faithful to do that. He's consistently drawing you to God's presence. So take a moment, even if you need to pause this video for a moment and just listen quietly before the Lord. And then once you've done that, once you've silenced your thoughts, silenced your own endings, then reflect on these questions. In the life story that you're living out right now, do you already have an ending completed that you're just asking God to step in and fill it in? Do you already have a plan for your life that is worked out and you already know how God's gonna get the glory in your life, but what he really needs to do is do the things you're asking him to do and then it will be okay. If so, I encourage you, Surrender your life story to Jesus Christ. Surrender that plan that you have, that ending. I know it's hard. We don't like ambiguity. We don't like things that we don't know the end to. That's why we try and figure it out. That's why we fill in all the blanks and we just say, God, just do that. And, and, and then I'm not surprised. I don't have to trust. I don't have to have faith in you. But see, that's, that's not the nature of discipleship. That's not the nature of our walk with God. Do you have an ending already planned for your story? If so, I want to encourage you, surrender that ending to God. Just say, Lord, I'm taking away all the obstacles and I, I'm recognizing that you are transcendent. You don't have limitations like I have limitations. You could do anything in this moment, God. And so by faith, I'm, I'm just opening up my life to you and I'm just saying, Lord, I surrender to your ending to my story. I open up my life to you and allow you to write the end to what's happening in my life. I'm allowing you to write the, the rest of the story about my job and how you're going to provide for me. I'm inviting you to write the rest of the story about these broken relationships that I have and how you want to bring restoration or healing there. I'm allowing you to write the rest of the story about the sickness or disease or 
difficulty in my body that I'm going through, this brokenness that I'm experiencing. Lord, I know what I want, but I'm surrendering it to you and I'm allowing you, and I'm just saying, God, surprise me. Surprise me with what you want to do. Second one is that earlier I mentioned these two words, eminent and transcendent. So let me ask you as you're watching and thinking about Palm Sunday and the victory that Jesus came into Jerusalem. You're thinking about your own life and victory maybe seems a ways off right now with all that's happening around you. Does God seem imminent to you or does he seem far off? Does he seem very present at the moment or does he seem very distant? I want to encourage you, if he seems distant, it's not because he is. It's not even in his nature to be so. He's incapable of being distant from you. And so if he feels distant, it's not because he is. It's because we are having difficulty inviting him and slowing down our life and listening to him. He's ready to speak to us if we'll take the time in silence and solitude, take time in scripture, take time to be present with him. In fact, the scriptures say in the Old Testament, this is God's word to us, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So that's an assurance from God that if we're not just haphazard about it or we're just asking God to prove himself to us in some way, He's not interested in playing again with our agendas and our roles, but he says, if you seek me with all of your heart, if you really want to know me, he says he'll be present and he'll be found by us. Does God seem transcendent to you? Meaning, does he seem incapable or does he seem transcendent outside of the scope of all of this? Does God seem powerless? Or does he seem capable to you as you think about what's happening in the world today? Again, I want to assure you, God is not powerless in the midst of this. He's very present, but he's also very capable of handling and addressing the things that are happening. So then the next question, of course, then where is he? Why isn't he fixing it? That really goes back to our story about Palm Sunday, doesn't it? <laughs> When you say, when I say, why isn't he fixing it? I'm really asking, why isn't he doing what I want him to do in this moment? Rest assured, God is at work in this very moment, in this world today. He is accomplishing things that you and I don't understand, just as Jesus was accomplishing something far greater than the disciples understood on Palm Sunday. He was coming into Jerusalem to usher in the kingdom of God. And just today, as you're watching this, God is at work and he is accomplishing his purposes as you allow him, as you make room. Remember Jesus' words to Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem, that you would have invited me, that you would have welcomed in my purposes for you, but it was hidden from you. Today, as you think about God's interaction, he's not wanting to hide things from you as you wait upon him as you remove the ending that you have for him and you allow him to work you're going to see him at work in the midst of your life and in the world around us so take heart on this palm sunday be encouraged 
The king is coming. In fact, the king has already come and he has ushered in the kingdom of God. Not a kingdom that is of this world and it is bound by the principalities and powers and rulers of this world, but it comes with the power and authority of heaven. It comes with Jesus, not just riding on a donkey, but Jesus coming and ascending, not to a huge throne in heaven only, but ascending to the cross so that he could make a way for you and I. I'm excited to share in this Holy Week with you. I'm excited to wait upon the Lord all through these coming days as we look forward to Good Friday, as we look forward to Easter. But for today, I want to encourage you, celebrate. Celebrate that the King has come. Celebrate that he has an ending, not your ending, not my ending. He has an ending in mind for what his plans are for you, what his plans are for this world. And it is for us to know him and to experience his life. God bless you.